Hi, everybody. I'm Katie, and this is Bethy. And we are for Narnia and for Aslan. Now, what you're about to hear is a flashback to the very first episodes that Bethy and I ever recorded of this podcast back before we were releasing them. It's true. We were practicing recording. We were trying to decide if we wanted to make this podcast at all, and we decided to try it out with Prince Caspian. And these are the episodes that got it all started, so we hope you enjoy chapter one. You're going to hear us at our normal recording pace and sounds with chapter four, so don't be alarmed if for the first three chapters we sound different. Maybe our recording is a little bit off. Maybe the editing is a little different. The music is probably a little different. It's going to be awesome, though. We're pretty excited, so enjoy. The Chronicles of Narnia, Caspian, Chapter One, The Island. Once there were four children, whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. It has been told in another book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, how they had a remarkable adventure. They had opened the door of a magic wardrobe and found themselves in a quite different world, of course. And in that different world, they had become kings and queens in a country called Narnia. While they were in Narnia, they seemed to reign for years and years. But... When they came back through the wardrobe and found themselves in again, it all seemed to have taken no time at all. At any rate, no one noticed that they had been away, and they never told anyone, except one very wise grown-up. I'm Katie, and this is Bethy. Welcome to For Narnia and For Aslan. Bethy is a youth pastor, a novelist, and a climber. Small church pastor, a baker, and has recently finished her first quilt. We have been friends for seven years and counting, and we love Narnia. We are excited to talk about it with each other and with you. So we're starting with chapter one of Prince Caspian just because we felt like it, and <laughs> we have a couple of recaps for you. So the way we're going to do recaps is we'll each just have one or two, or if we're really pushing it, three sentences total to be able to tell you what is involved in the entire chapter. So I'll go first. Chapter one says this. While waiting for the trains to school, the Pevensey children find themselves whisked away to Narnia once more. They discover that they're on a quiet and deserted island, and after following a stream, they find an old orchard and a ruin. And I recapped the chapter by saying Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy find themselves pulled off the train to boarding school and into a wooded island by the sea. It's beautiful. And they get hungry and encounter all the practical details of being pulled into an adventure, which it seems certain is about to begin. Mm, I love that. <laughs> I like yours too. Whisked away to Narnia once more. <laughs> So at this point, do they know that they're in Narnia, or are they just wondering? I think, so there's that funny moment where Lucy turns to Peter specifically. Yes. And she's like, Peter, are we in Narnia? And he's like, well, I'm not sure, but like, where else can we be? Right. I wonder I why. That kind of funny that she only asked Peter. He's the oldest, you know? <laughs> he's supposed to know things. I guess the high king. That's funny, Yeah. And he is kind of a leader throughout this book, although I don't want to give any spoilers at this point. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, 
to follow these books is by exploring sacred reading practices, exploring scripture that's connected to the book that we found, and um, just discovering Narnia together, rediscovering it really. So today we're going to just jump into a section and do a reading practice that is called Lectio Divina, um, which just means divine reading. And um, this is a way to just let the words sink in and connect with them. Um, we know this isn't scripture, but it's still worth getting deeply into and um, spending time with. So, and we can find truth in all kinds of things in this world. And I, I do believe that God points to himself in all kinds of things. And that includes uh, books that aren't the Bible. For so, sorry, Katie, what, I, I just was wondering, do you know where Lectio Divina comes from? I think Katie, it's a monastery thing. I think that, let me Google that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Divina history. Yeah, monastic practice. Um, so, Lectio Divina is a practice of reading scripture and meditating and praying on it um, that was practiced by monks during the Middle Ages and is still common to many Christians as a way of not just hearing the story or whatever the text says on the surface, but spending time with it and sinking into it and ultimately encountering God there. And of course, God shows up in a special way through scripture, but also as Christians, it's fitting to pay attention to each part of our world. That's what being an artist is in a lot of ways, is slowing down enough to really notice and see things, see what God has made. And Lectio Divina is one way to do that with books. I'm excited. Hmm. So in my copy, this is on page four to page five. I'll read once through and we'll just listen and kind of hear what's happening. And then we'll read it again. And that time we'll listen for a moment that particularly sticks out to us or a word. And then the third time we'll listen to some connection with our lives. So, on page four, they're sitting at the train station. It was an empty, sleepy country station, and there was hardly anyone on the platform except themselves. Suddenly, Lucy gave a sharp little cry, like someone who has been stung by a wasp. What's up, Lou? said Edmund, and then suddenly broke off and made a noise like, ow. What on earth? began Peter, and then he too suddenly changed what he'd been going to say. Instead, he said, Susan, let go. What are you doing? Where are you dragging me to? I'm not touching you, said Susan. Someone's pulling me. Oh, 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 stop it. Everyone noticed that all the others' faces had gone very white. I felt just the same, said Edmund in a breathless voice, as if I were being dragged along. A most frightful pulling. Uh, it's beginning again. Me too, said Lucy. Oh, I can't bear it. Look sharp, shouted Edmund. All catch hands and keep together. This is magic. I can tell by the feeling. Quick. Yes, said Susan. Hold hands. Oh, I do wish it would stop. Oh. 
Next moment, the luggage, the seat, the platform, and the station had completely vanished. So what is happening quite literally there is that they're experiencing magic for the first time in a year, and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more uncomfortable than it was the last time when they just <laughs> walked through it, through a wardrobe, hardly without, with even noticing. Yeah, and I think we're actually going to see discomfort throughout this whole book, really. Mm -hmm. Definitely starts right in the first chapter. <laughs> it's funny, it's not how you picture um, like a dreamy adventure and magic and the delightfulness. It's it's really gritty. <laughs> Absolutely. It starts with them saying, ow. Stop and... it. I hate it. I can't bear it. <laughs> <laughs> and that continues to happen this whole time. And I love that we see that adventure isn't easy in this Yes. <laughs> hmm. It's not the kind of triumphant return that you expect. Right. They're not in charge of this either at all. <laughs> They're getting pulled. They're getting pulled. Hmm. Let's read again and just listen for one word or moment that especially stands out that seems worth paying attention to. I'll start a few sentences later. I'm not touching you, said Susan. Someone is pulling me. Oh, 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 stop it. Everyone noticed that all the others' faces had gone very white. I felt just the same, said Edmund in a breathless voice, as if I were being dragged along. Almost frightful pulling. Uh, it's beginning again. Me too, said Lucy. Oh, I can't bear it. Look sharp, shouted Edmund. I'll catch hands and keep together. This is magic. I can tell by the feeling. Quick. Yes, said Susan. Hold hands. Oh, I do wish it would stop. Oh. Next moment, the luggage, the seat, the platform, and the station had completely vanished. So the part that stood out to me was definitely Edmund saying, look sharp, this is magic. I can tell by the feeling. <laughs> you stole mine. It was the same. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that's the moment when it goes from something's happening to us to an awareness of the situation and recognizing, like it's not like they get control suddenly, but they, they know how they're supposed to respond to it. Yes. And then Susan is like, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. We should hold hands. Right. <laughs> There's suddenly an, an agreement together. Uh-huh. Not that they can change anything happening, but they're not just, um, mm, like they've come to a certain understanding with it. Yeah. Huh. Good that they're experienced with magic. Hmm. Yeah. But even there she says, oh, I wish it would stop. It's not like they're like, oh, good, magic. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Peter says it might like, be anywhere. I can't see a yard in all these trees. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that we have the same one. That's so fun. <laughs> hmm. I wonder if that's how magic would be. I mean, getting pulled into an adventure, even if it's not magic, like it's not the sort of thing you imagine an adventure 
to be. Like if I were to plan an adventure for myself versus the sorts of ways things actually begin, I think it probably would be more like this. Well, I definitely have experienced that with pretty much every adventure that I've gone on. Okay. Do you have an example? Well, I think of mountaineering, for example, and hmm. when you imagine it, you imagine standing on top of the mountain and it's so triumphant. Hmm. But it's not? don't imagine. <laughs> so, once you get to the top, depending on the elevation, you feel really sick. <laughs> you want to get down as soon as possible. You're not hungry, but you brought like a Snickers bar or something to celebrate. And you're like, I'm going to choke down this Snickers bar. <laughs> I don't need to get down. <laughs> yes. When you start, oh my goodness, I'm picturing the first time I went backpacking. And I had my backpack on and we took our beginning of the trail picture. This was with you, Becky, at Compass. Yeah, I remember. And then we started going up the hill all in a line, you know, the like five of us girls and five minutes in, I was sure I was not going to be able to be a backpacker and I wasn't going to make it <laughs> like we're just walking and I, I couldn't. And then you just do and you just keep walking. And then now I look back and it was an amazing adventure, I guess. Like it was so good. Five to one for sure. <laughs> I think that we often misunderstand adventure hmm. we don't realize that part of adventure an essential part really hmm. is discomfort yeah yeah it's taking you out of where your normal life happens and the, the ways that you make your life <laughs> to feel good usually yeah but why do we want it then hmm. like I crave adventure in certain ways and then when something's actually happening, it's like, wait, this is really hard. Am I, oh, I guess this is an adventure and there is something good about it. What is that? That's a great question. I think about this a lot because as you know, Katie, my <laughs> husband does adventures professionally. It's a bit of a junkie. <laughs> literally in his job title. <laughs> um, and I do think that it is, built into us. We crave adventure because it is what makes us feel alive in some ways. Hmm. And we need discomfort so that we can return to comfort with a new understanding of, I guess, how blessed we are. Hmm. Yeah, something happens to you when you're on a journey. When you're on an adventure, you don't come back the same. Yeah, and because we want something to happen to like, us. Like just going on a little kayaking paddle. Hmm. That's fun. But that does not fall into the category of adventure because I don't return changed. And it, there was no discomfort in any way. Hmm. Speak for yourself, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, True. yeah. And with the, I mean, the most important moments in our lives when we look back they probably started as, ah, I'm pulled out of my routine, out of my comfort zone. I'm even thinking of this spring. I didn't expect to be displaced by coronavirus. And now looking back, of course, it's a, it's a tragic thing in many ways. But personally, it forced me into some new situations that I'm grateful for now. And they felt real and important and like God was doing something. And like, I was learning how to be alive again. 
had to garden, had to be lonely, had to be creative, got to live with had people I wouldn't down. have lived with otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I like reading this and thinking about, okay, next time I feel like, ow, I can't bear it. It's frightful. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that's a start of something that's actually quite exciting, like Prince Caspian is. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we try the third round? Let's do the third round. And this time we're listening for a connection to our life. So maybe some way that we are feeling uncomfortable or pulled. I'm not touching you, said Susan. Someone is pulling me. Oh, 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 stop it. Everyone noticed that all the others' faces had gone very white. I felt just the same, said Edmund in a breathless voice, as if I were being dragged along. The most frightful pulling. Uh, it's beginning again. Me too, said Lucy. Oh, I can't bear it. Look sharp, shouted Edmund. All catch hands and keep together. This is magic. I can tell by the feeling. Quick. Yes, said Susan. Hold hands. Oh, I do wish it would stop. Oh. Next moment, the luggage, the seat, the platform, and the station had completely vanished. When I was well, I see an immediate connection in my life. Do you find one? <laughs> When I was in seventh grade, our family went on a trip to Europe. It was so exciting planning for it. And we got there and I was so jet lagged and exhausted. I, I remember telling myself if I could just go to bed right now, I would give up the whole trip. <laughs> and then the next morning I was delighted and I thought, oh, we should move to Austria. This is the best place in the world. <laughs> the adventure was worth it, but I didn't feel it at the moment. What connection do you feel to your life? Well, as you know, I have quite recently moved to Tennessee from Washington State. Mm. Yes. And <laughs> have left a lot of things that I love behind. Yeah. And I definitely connect to that feeling of, oh, I wish it would stop. Mm. And then seeing everything around me vanish. Yes. And it's it was then replaced by good things mm. and I'm definitely going to continue to find good things. But that is a scary moment when everything vanishes and it's uncomfortable and it requires a lot of, I don't think patience is the right word, but perseverance maybe mm -hmm. in looking for new things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking through the rest of this chapter, they find some delightful things like the seashore. They run around with bare feet and they also complain that they're so hungry and they don't have enough sandwiches to go around and it's hot and sticky and they have to carry their coats. And that seems like how new things are. You receive all of it in one. Yeah. And to trust that there will be good in it. And be willing to find the good. Mm. Yeah. That's that, my main challenge right now. Yeah. Well, I'm in a new setting as well. I just started pastoring this little church a few months ago. 
And I've just learned recently that I'll get to stay here. And there have been moments. I know. Yay. And oh my goodness, a little bit of freaking out too. I don't know what I'm doing. And it's a new community and I don't know people deeply yet. And is God really going to get me through this journey in one piece? Um, The other night I was wondering and I was freaking out and had to just wake up the next morning and say, okay, Lord, get me through and help me be present here where I am now, uh, where you've pulled me. And it's, I don't know, a kind of trust, I guess, to be willing to look for good in a place. It means letting go of some control. Hmm. Well, you're doing a great job so far. <laughs> Likewise. In fact, you've started a podcast already. Yeah, Amazing. <laughs> well, are there any connections in this chapter to scripture? What did you find yeah, this week? There are. So um, I saw three main themes in this chapter and did a lot of underlying and writing in the margins. <laughs> Kidding. 
Mm, I'm excited to see who he is throughout this book. Yes, me too. I'm excited to continue to see growth and leadership in him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's little things that I saw. I saw that, like, they knew the stream would be better to drink further up. Yes. Would they have known that one book ago? Maybe not. It's not the sort of thing you learn in preparatory school in England. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was really cool to see. And the passage of scripture that I found a connection with, is found in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's verses 11 through 12. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I'm fully known. And I just saw so much connection there for Edmund, especially, but he knows more fully who he is than ever before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And this passage is talking about right now, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And that journey of discovering truth and discovering God's glory and being sanctified and made into who we're supposed to be replaces the, what was before. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, the passage goes on to say, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I totally see that between these siblings. Mm -hmm. But there's this hilarious moment in the chapter that says like, at that point, nearly one or two tempers were lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they didn't lose their tempers. It was nearly. They're and, learning. <laughs> yeah, these kids have gone through a lot together. Mm. And they they know how to love each other. Mm -hmm. They're good souls. <laughs> I'm so excited to dive into this with them and, and discover where they are and when they are. Do you think it's worse being a child than an adult then? Is that the idea? Mm. Or why is it I important to grow? Well, I don't know that worse is the right word. Because they grew, then they returned, but they still held that growth. Mm. So it's not that adulthood is better, it's that growth is better. Uh, and that they are children who have grown, not necessarily in body, but in their understanding of who they are and in their understanding of adventure and how to love each other. Hmm. Like it would be wrong for an adult to act like a child because it would mean that they didn't do the work of growing when they were meant to. Absolutely. But for a child to act like a child, they're doing the work of that moment, and later they'll yeah, do the work of that moment. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. So, with all these things in mind, with our Lectio reading and thinking about discomfort and thinking about Edmund saying, I know what this feels like, I know this is magic, and his leadership and growth that we've seen. What 
application do you see in your week ahead? Mm. I feel inspired to take moments of discomfort, moments of, oh, I can't bear it even, <laughs> of stretching and feeling pulled as a chance to look around and see what adventures ahead. I sometimes, mm, I guess I'm motivated by adventure and it feels easier to press ahead and dig in if it feels like there's a good story happening that's going to be worth it. And so as moments come up of pulling and stretching, saying, I know what this is, not magic per se, but this is the beginning of a story. Um, God's a good storyteller. And I think that Lewis is a good enough storyteller to know that good stories start this way. So I'm going to be on the lookout. How about you? My, my takeaway is pretty similar. And it's a little more focused on that idea of, I know what this is. Hmm. I've felt this feeling before. Uh -huh. And specifically in looking for where in this new life that I have is God pulling me. So like all the kids are feeling a pull. Hmm. And how does Peter put it? He says, where are you pulling me to? <laughs> yes. And... I want to be aware of that in my life right now because I don't yet have a super structured life in Tennessee. I don't know what God's plan is for me here. And so I want to be aware of where I might fill a pole and instead of turning away from it, saying, oh, I know what this feeling is. I've felt this before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to hear how that goes. Me too. Thank you so much for reading this chapter with me. Thank you. I am delighted at these characters and this story that's just starting out. So fun. <laughs> hmm. And wow. it's making me want to live my story more, you know? Yes. To see what adventures are in store. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, let me find our last paragraph. Pressing their way between the laden branches, they reached the wall. It was very old and broken down in places, with moss and wallflowers growing on it. But it was higher than all of the, but the tallest trees. When they came quite close to it, they found a great arch, which must have been a gate, or sorry, once have had a gate in it but it was now almost filled up with the largest of all the apple trees. They had to break some of the branches to get past. When they had done so, they all blinked because the daylight became suddenly much brighter. They found themselves in a wide open place with walls all around it. And here there were no trees, only level grass and daisies and ivy and gray walls. It was a bright, secret, quiet place and rather sad. And all four stepped out into the middle of it, glad to be able to straighten their backs and move their limbs freely. Hmm. 
Well, we have had a time. See you next week with chapter two of Prince Caspian.